This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Welcome to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. I think you're really going to love this one because we're bringing back two of the all-time favorites, a guy that on September 21st is going into the A's Hall of Fame, one of the great first basemen of all time, and a guy that truly saved baseball, the great Mark McGuire. You're going to hear Big Mac. Always good to have him back, and it's great that the A's were honoring him. How about a guy who won an MVP and really was tutored by Mark McGuire? He was a great A, and what a career he had. Jason Giambi. And we're also going to have Sheldon Noisy, one of the new Oakland Athletics, along with Seth Brown. So there you go, McGuire, Giambi, Noisy, and Brown. Well, I can't tell you what an honor it is to get a chance to hook up with A's legends. And this guy, when I was growing up, was larger than life. And he he was still with the A's when I first got into this business. And Mark McGuire usually doesn't talk a whole heck of a lot. And I know there's a lot of you out there that you've never really even heard Mark McGuire speak. So if you never got a chance to hear him on A's Cast Live, here is my conversation with one of the great A's of all time, Mark McGuire. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live. It's an absolute honor. He's one of the great players in the history of the game. He's a 12-time All-Star, AL Rookie of the Year, three-time Silver Slugger Award winner, five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, and he's truly one of the great A's to have ever laced them up, and he'll be honored this year at the A's Hall of Fame ceremony. Mark McGuire is with us here. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time, and it's an honor to have you on the program. Hey, you're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, when we think about great first basemen in the history of this organization, you're, you're at the top. What did it mean to you to get that call to know that you're going into the, the new A's Hall of Fame? Well, you know, when Dave gave me a call uh, and and told me, and he says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be putting a green jacket on you," I, I asked him. I said, "Is that gonna get a membership at Augusta in Augusta?" You know, uh, I was excited, man. I just I, I I can't believe it. It's just one of those things. I've been. It's like it's like a hundred years ago that I played there. Um, I know I've been back as a coach, but. Uh, it's, uh, I just had an unbelievable time. I mean, 16 years, um, playing the game of baseball, you know, about, uh, 12 with the Oakland and, you know, the, all the guys that the coaches and everybody down in the minor leagues that, that, that molded me into the player that I became, uh, I can't thank them enough. Uh, Carl Keel, uh, Keith Lippman, Brad Fisher, Ron Plaza, you know, Sandy Alderson, Walt Jockety. I mean, all these guys that just supported me through, you know, the good and the bad. I had a lot of downtime there with the injuries. I had a horrible year in, in 91. Um, I just, I, I, I cannot thank the organization for, uh, for giving me this great, great honor. And we recently honored the 1989 team and, of course, you were a big part of that. What was it like playing on that team with those guys and just the dominance you guys had in baseball? Because you had a bad taste in your mouth losing in 88. There was no way you were losing in 89. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't make it up there. Uh, my, my son, Mason, we were down in uh, Cary, North Carolina. He was uh, 
he made it to the third phase of the uh, 15 U USA team. So uh, I was spent my time down in North Carolina during that time. So I'm sorry I missed that. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where it's just like we go into spring training with a bad taste, obviously, <clears throat> from 88. And it was really throw the balls and bats out there. We, there, we knew what we were going to do. Um, we just had such a professional team. Uh, we knew what it took to win. Um, and, you know, granted, we had a, a really, really bad World Series in 88. And we came back. Unfortunately, we had to wait for the 10 days because of the earthquake, um, which was totally unfortunate. And um, But I'll tell you what, it was, it was well worth it because it was just uh, – I mean, I, I, I just remember being on the, on the field in the, in the ninth inning and, and I'm first base and, and, you know, X doing what X does. And, and I wanted that ground ball so bad. I just remember as a kid, you know, just having the – being the last out and uh, getting the last out of the World Series. And, and I remember just dying out trying to – I just missed it in Tony Phillips' game and getting through it to, to act to make the last out. But um, I tell you what, it was just one of those turnkey teams, man. I mean, that's what Mr. Haas did for Tony and along with Sandy and Walt. You know, whatever Tony wanted and Dave Duncan, whatever we needed at that All-Star, um, just after the All-Star break for the trade deadline, he pretty much – just said, okay, let's go get them. And we got those pieces. And I'll tell you what, it was just, it was just, I, I don't think you'll ever see a team like that again. It, it was just, we, we ran the gamut. I mean, three years in a row in the World Series, we won one of them. But I'll tell you what, it was just such a professional team with professional players. And um, gosh, I mean, it's like, unfortunately, I never got a chance to get back in there. You know, that was only my uh, third, fourth years in the big leagues and never got back to the world series as a veteran player. And, uh, that's something I wish I, I really had a, a, a chance to do. You know, as a, as a kid in high school during that time, you guys were rock stars. No one was bigger than the Oakland athletics. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you guys were, yeah. you kicked the crap out of the Yankees. Everybody wanted to be mm -hmm. like you guys. You were the Bass Brothers. I mean, Andy Sandler, right. they brought the, the parody of the Bass Brothers back. I don't know if you've seen that, but just talk about that time where you guys were like football teams are today. That's what you guys were like mm. back then. Yeah. Um, we were a very big team. <laughs> yeah, we were a strong team. Nobody really wanted to mess with us. And, uh, you know, it, you know, it was led by, you know, I mean, think about it. Carney Lansford, Dave Stewart. Um, it's it just like, you know, when you have these two guys that, I, I mean, to this day, I would go to war with any of them. And it's, it's just like, I mean, I'm a young kid. Um, you know, I'm only in my third year and, and I'm watching these guys and, you know, Back in the day when you're a young kid, you don't say a word around these guys. You just sit there and you be quiet and you watch. And, and I was so lucky as a, as a young player to sit and watch these professional players. And, 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 and I mean, I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't hard to, to have that stuff rub off on me. And then I carried it on into my veteran years. Yeah, I think about you coming out of USC. And all of a sudden, <laughs> here you are, really in your rookie year, you get a taste in 86 but in 87, when you're yeah. Rookie of the Year, what was that pressure like mounting on you when you have all these home runs and people start asking the questions yeah. about records? What was well, that like? Well, it's it's sort of weird how that year started because, um, yeah, I did get a taste in 86. I, I, I mean, I was totally shocked that I got called up in August of 86. I, 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 I was just shocked. I mean, I, I remember when Keith Lipman pulled me into the room and, and – uh, um, in Tacoma and said, Hey, listen, they're going to need you in Baltimore tomorrow. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you're going up to the big leagues. And, um, you know, I did get a taste. I didn't have much success, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like, I, again, I had a veteran team. I mean, I had Dusty Baker in 86, Dave Kingman, Bruce Bochy. I mean, I have Bruce Bochy, excuse me. And, um, you know, all these great players. I mean, I'm just like in awe. So I didn't, and they wanted me to go play winter ball that next winter. And, um, and I, and I refused to do it. And, uh, and I actually missed my plane flight. Um, I just thought I was burnt out and I didn't want to go down to Dominican because at the time I was playing third base. They had me in the minor leagues playing third base. And, um, I ended up going down there. Um, I did not do very well at all. I spent a month down there and, um, I pretty much said I wanted to come home. I came home. My mindset was, 
if I'm going to win a job in spring training, I'm going to win a job in spring training. I'm not going to win a job in winter ball. So I busted my ass the months prior to spring training in 87. I did everything I could in, in 87 to come in there. I'm, I'm third base, first base. I even did some in the outfield. And it wasn't. I was the last guy to make the ball club. Um, and then, then again, I did not play all the time. I mean, I was playing against left-handers. Rob Nelson, the other first baseman, was playing against right-handers. And I think it was the third week in April, <clears throat> they ended up sending Rob out. And then I was an everyday first baseman. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen. And then next thing you know, I had 33 home runs at the, the All-Star break. And they were talking about me trying to break Roger Maris's record. Um, but like most rookies do, they have to play that six months. That's really a tough thing to do. It's like, you know, we're trained to just go five months as a minor leaguer. Um, and then we had to play that six month. And then, um, you know, I took a toll. I, I only hit 16 home runs and I still finished out pretty well, but, but it was one of those things. It wasn't really stressful. Uh, and let's go back a little bit. I also got to make the all-star game in 87 in Oakland. And, uh, I mean, it was just one of those years. It, it wasn't stressful at all. I was just like, I was like a chicken with a head cut off. I was just so ecstatic <laughs> to be in the big leagues. I couldn't believe that they even, they kept me up there because, well, it, you know, before they sent Rob out, Rob and I weren't doing anything at all, but they said that I was having better at bats and that's why they kept me. Um, not knowing that I was going to hit 33 home runs at the all-star break. So, uh, but I couldn't, you know, listen, Tony La Russa, uh, just, you know, he's like my second father. I mean, he's just one of those guys that just, he saw what he saw and he, and he wanted to keep me. And I can't thank him enough for what they did. And yes, I was a little stubborn, not going down to Dominican, but I had a mindset saying, I'm going to go into spring training and win a job. And I did. Yeah. You talk about your relationship with Tony and how close you are. And here you, the two of you, all these years, whether it was he was your manager or you were under him as a coach, and now you get to go into the Hall of Fame with him. I mean, that's just like that's just like it's just fitting, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I saw him down here. He, the Boston was playing the Angels, and I went out to lunch with him. I hadn't seen him in a while, and it was really, really good to catch up with him and. I mean, he's just, uh, you know, just he's just a mastermind of what, how the game is being played today. I mean, you think about it back then, you know, all these, you know, uh, all the way the, the bullpens are run. Him and Dave Duncan were running the bullpens like that back in 87. I mean, think about it. You know, we get, we get Dennis Eggersley in spring training of 87, you know, and here he's washed up starter from Chicago, and he comes in and he's going to Hall of Fame as one of the best relievers ever in the game. I mean, they with Gene Nelson. We had all these guys setting up. Uh, Rick Honeycutt setting up, doing all these things, and you know, Dave Duncan and Tony Larusa set the bar of the way the game is played today. And it's I don't think they get enough credit for doing that. Dave Duncan was he had three ring binders of like what they're doing on computers today with all with all these numbers and where the balls are being hit and where is this going to go and. It's it's a shame that Dave Duncan and, and Tony LaRusso don't get enough credit for what how the game is being run today. You know, everybody always talks to you about home runs, but in 1990, you got that gold glove. I bet that meant a lot to you. Yeah, it's it's one of my prized possessions sitting in my office. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I, I, wish I would have won it the next year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't have a very good year offensively. And obviously they do gold gloves a little different way today with all the metrics and stuff. But uh, I always took pride in my defense. And I've never really been a big fan of the designated hitter playing in Oakland. Uh, even when I was coming back from, from injuries and stuff, you know, Tony would maybe play me DH and I, I, I sort of would refuse, you know, although there'd be a day or two that I did. I just wanted to be, if you can't put a glove and play defense, I, I, I don't think you should be playing the game of baseball. That's the way I feel. And I know someday they're going to have no more uh, pitchers hitting. That's going to be unfortunate because to me, that's the way the game should be played. There should be some kind of a thought and thought process in the national league, how things are done. But I totally understand what they're trying to do. But I, I just – I love playing defense because there's going to be many, many days, many weeks that you're not going to be very good at the plate.
But you know what? You can win a ball game by making a play or picking a ball or, or doing something defensively to help the ball club out. You know, we just had the anniversary of you hitting number 62 and breaking the record in 1998. And that was a moment where you and Sammy Sosa really helped save baseball. It really got people loving baseball once again. What does that mean to you? This game's been played for so many years that you played in a big yeah. role of, of, of reviving this great sport. Well, I take a lot of pride in that because, uh, to, I mean, it's been, it's been my, quite a few years now that it's happened. Uh, you know, so 21 years ago, we brought the game of baseball back and, you know, the taste that people had in their mouths after the strike in 94 and all the great years that the players were having and the, the great years that some of the teams were having in Montreal and, 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 and we didn't have a world series and, and we started, we started the season later uh, in 95. Um, it's just, I mean, I, I can't be any more prouder than that. I mean, that was a lot, that was a lot of uh, lifting right there. Carrying basically, you know, when you think back about carrying the game of baseball, but I can't, I mean, it was just something that, I mean, to this day, I still get people thanking, thanking me for bringing the game of baseball back, and, and, and I'm very proud of that. I was I was early in my career, and I remember whether it was you or it was Sammy coming to town to Candlestick Park, and they would rope off batting practice. I mean, we were yeah. seeing things we'd never seen before. Well, it's amazing to think that, you know, now there's all these people behind, you know, the, the batting cages on the field, and they, they do um, charity things, you know, having people on the field and stuff like that. Well, that didn't start until – 98 because they started doing that they started bringing people coming in i mean i would have you know 15 to twenty thousand people come in just to watch batting practice and that's where all that started and um you know unfortunately i was playing a game before the game uh, i mean i i remember uh, down in miami john henry who was the the owner of the team miami he came in the one day i wasn't going to take batting practice and he came in and he sat down he says mark he goes I really need you to take batting practice. We have 15,000 people out there to watch you take batting practice. I heard you weren't going to take batting practice. And I said, Mr. Henry, I will. I'll take it for you. And so I ended up doing it. But that's the way that, that's that's why there's all these people on the field today because of what happened in 98. And I'm so happy to say that that was one of the reasons. And, and, and when you've had great moments, too, in St. Louis. I mean, obviously that, but, you know, Winning a World Series as a coach. What was you? What, what's it like playing in St. Louis and also co- coaching under Tony in St. Louis? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, accepting the trade. You know, in in '97, I had the 10-5, where I had to, I could veto any kind of trade, and you know, I I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it's funny. I, I think back now, if if if. You know, we had the information like we have today where we knew all the studs in the minor leagues where everybody knows today all the studs in the minor leagues. If I would have known that Hudson, Mulder, Zito <laughs> were all going to come up in another year or two, I might have not accepted the trade. We didn't know who was the minor league guys coming up. But accepting the trade and going there, going to St. Louis, you know, uh, coming back with Tony and Dunk and – you know, Barry Weinberg, Dave McKay, you know, not really knowing what was it going to be like uh, and then stepping on the field there. It was it was something way different than I ever expected. It won me over. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, as a player, didn't get to go into the World Series with him. But when Tony asked me to come back um, in 2010 as a coach and 2011, I won the World Series as a coach, but I'm going to tell you something. I was more nervous as a coach than I was as a player being on the field in any kind of playoff or World Series game. It's just you, you don't, you can't do anything about it. You prepare the kids and you prepare them and, and whether uh, what they want to do with the plate, and you just, you just, just hope for the best. I was biting my nails, pacing back and forth, and that was probably one of the most historical World Series wins ever in in this game of baseball. 
Let's end on this, and I want you to put your coach's hat back on because you mentioned okay. you mentioned in '91 how you struggled and hit 201. Yes, we're having yes. the same thing going on with Chris Davis right now. Chris Davis, mm-hmm. three straight years, hits over 40 home runs. He hit 48 last year, led baseball, and this year he is just struggling, struggling to make contact. He's not hitting home runs. He had an injury earlier in the year. What advice would you give Chris Davis? Well, unfortunately, I haven't really watched many games about. I, I just know I know he's been injured, so that that probably could have something. And you know, a lot of things is when you get a you know hitting and playing the game is a feeling. Even though you work on mechanical stuff, you have to have that feeling, and you know when you have it right. It just sounds like he doesn't have that feeling right now. He's trying to find it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a hit. It could be a foul ball. It could be a swing and miss. It could be a line drive right at the shortstop. It could be something that goes, oh, there's that feeling. Here it goes. What I always say, as, as a, what I always told myself as a player and what I always told my players as a coach, you're one swing away. You're one swing away from getting that feeling. And unfortunately, it sounds like the injury might have put him back a little bit. And it might take some time, but it looks like, you know, Oakland's going to be in the playoffs again. And, you know, what, what a better time that he might get that feeling tonight tomorrow, whatever it may be, he might ride all the way through the playoffs. So, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've just really enjoyed watching him play. I mean, it's such a, just a really, just a smooth, effortless, just powerful swing that you wouldn't expect. And it's, it's really fun to watch. So he's one swing away. Let's just say that. And just hopefully Oakland can, can find it and, or, uh, and, and take it on and through the playoffs. So September 21st, it's going to be Tony LaRussa, Vita Blue, Burt Campanaris, Walter Haas Jr., and yourself all wow. going into the Hall wow. of Fame. What a class that's going to be. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And they said you only have three minutes to talk. <laughs> there's like too many. I mean, I don't know what to say because it's like there's too many people to thank, you know. You know, really seriously, think about it. It's like I'm being honored, which is fantastic, but it's all the people that, have really put me there that should be honored because of the, I, mean, I think about, you know, Carl Keel. I mean, it's like Carl Keel, Ron Plaza, chicken Stanley, uh, Keith Lippman, just on me every day, instructionally minor leagues, having the little glove, learning how to play third base, you know, these pop-ups up in, in down in uh, Scottsdale community college with no, uh, you know, no clouds up there. There's no, it's just the toughest thing to do is try to catch, catch a pop-up and these balls are coming down, hit me in the shoulder, hit me in the leg. And they're laughing their butts off and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, but they're kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And I cannot thank Tim enough for making me the player that I became. So it's just uh, the player development in Oakland, the player development in St. Louis. I mean, I can't thank enough for these two organizations that, that set these players and you watch all these players that come from these two organizations how successful they are in the game of baseball. And that's something they should be very, very proud of. Mark, A's fans love you, and they can't wait to see you on September 21st. I can guarantee you that. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. I can't wait to be up there. Oh, I got a soft spot for Big Mac. And it's so great that the A's are honoring him, and we're going to get to get to see him Saturday, September 21st. Jason Giambi. I'll always have a soft spot for Giambi in my heart because I actually played against Giambi when he was at Long Beach State. And he had, a, he had like a 500-foot home run off of me back in the day. But you know what a great A he was. He was terrific. And you're going to hear something in here that's going to really shock you, that he really never was given a, a, an offer by, by the A's. So it was really like the Yankees, and that was like the only team that offered him. It's pretty crazy. But Jason Giambi had a fantastic career here, and he loved playing for the A's. Here is the former MVP, Jason Giambi. Jason, Chris Townsend with the Oakland Athletics. Great to have you on the program. How is life treating you? Good. Just retired, raising young kids. You know what? We talked to you last year on this program, and, and I mentioned about how, you know, a lot of people are like, Jason Giambi would be a terrific manager. I know you got the young kids and you're having a great time. When are we going to get you back in baseball? Hopefully soon. You know, hopefully soon. Life's going good, and, um, you know, the kids, I had a great time with the kids. And, you know, I do some stuff here and there, you know, for the last few years. I've, you know, helped some teams out and stuff like that. But someday I'll be back in for sure. 
What was that like for you at the end of your career when you truly became that that veteran presence? Because we do know, like, when you were in Oakland and, and times in New York, you, you were that rock star guy, but you really morphed into this great veteran leader. What was that like for you in your career? I loved it. You know, I, I always felt uh, in my career, guys like Mark McGuire and Terry Steinbach and, and all these guys that were great influences on my career – they really sped up my learning curve. And I always felt that's how you repay the game is you pass on all the knowledge you learn and pass it on to that younger generation. And that's what I always felt that I, I became that player in the game. Like you're talking about that star in the game because of those guys, because they sped up my learning curve. And I always felt that it was fair that I needed to do that to a young, to a young player as well. Pass it on. Well, yeah, I mean, you coming out of Long Beach State, uh, you know, and then you got to play uh, on Team USA, and then next, you know, mm-hmm. there, there you are w- with the athletics. And, you know, talk about what someone like Mark McGuire truly meant to you in your career. Oh, I mean, he, he helped me recognize how to refine my game. I mean, I always had a great eye at the plate and walked and and other things, but he just, you know, helped me refine my game because we would talk about baseball, we'd talk about hitting, we, you know, we would talk about life and – I mean, he was definitely older than I was, and he'd already, he had already was a star in, in the game. You know, I mean, he was already a star, so I learned so much from him uh, just sitting and listening. I, was, I followed him around like a puppy dog all the time just to listen. And, and, and within that group, because he was in that upper echelon of players, I got a chance to stand in when he was having conversations with Kirby Puckett and, and Don Mattingly and Dave Winfield and, the you know, uh, uh, Cal Ripken. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I just would sit there and listen to these guys talk about baseball. So my learning curve was sped up immensely. That's one thing I always loved about you is you're truly a baseball fan. I mean, that, you know, just listen, oh, yeah. listening to you talk, like I can imagine you being a young kid going, my God, this is Dave Winfield, right? It's Don Mattingly. Oh, talk about that. You're just always a baseball fan. Yeah, these. They were, they were the guys I grew up idolizing. I mean, watching, I remember watching them in the 84 Olympics of Will Clark and, and Rafael, all these guys that were on this team. I would think, wow, you know, watching these guys play. I was a young kid watching them in LA play on the 84 Olympics. And then here I am standing in the middle of all these guys. I mean, I had baseball cards of it. There I am standing in the middle of listening to conversations and actually like them knowing my first name and, it was amazing. You know, I, I really grew up being a baseball fan. All I ever wanted to be when I was a kid, when I was old enough to be something, I, you know, it wasn't a policeman or a fireman. It was a baseball player. And I got to live that dream for 20 years. You know, I, I think about the book Moneyball and I think about that movie. And the one thing that I wish would have been mentioned was you in it because you helped get those players to where they were like Billy Bean gets on board and next, you know, you start changing the franchise. What was your time like in Oakland? Cause I know it was very special for you, especially in that clubhouse. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, I got a chance to play, like I said, those late 80 A's teams, you know, I mean, when you had Eckersley and McGuire and Ricky Henderson and Steinbach and, all these guys were on the team, and then we made that transition to go young. And so, you know, you got Hudson Mulder, Zito, Chavez, Tejada. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I just remember, you know, I remember Billy sitting me down one day. He goes, all right, it's your team. Now you're, you run it how you want to run it. And, you know, Matt Sturge was there. And, and we just made that, like, fraternity, you know, clubhouse, that frat clubhouse, and we had a ball. And before you know it, we got really good really fast. And – it was amazing. I had great times there and made a lot of great friends who I still talk to every now and then, and it was a lot of fun. You're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun kind of being the, you know, the bad boys of baseball, but, you know, kind of the underdogs as well with, you know, low payroll, and Billy Bean did a great job of signing us all young where we had multi-year deals, which gave us security, but it turned out to be awesome for the A's as well because we all exceeded that 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 money, you know. And later on, I mean, if you take the payroll that every guy earned after they left, it, it's you know huge. How is it possible? Because the clubhouse is still that way. How is it possible? Because yeah. most most teams aren't like that. Why why was your group so loose and so fun? I, I, you know, we really bought into the chemistry thing. You know, obviously we, we didn't have the ability to go 
have a high payroll, you know, at, at that time. I mean, after Mr. Haas died and they sold the team, we, we went young. And so going young, you definitely have a young payroll. I mean, you have to give credit to Grady Fuson and Billy and Paul D. Podesta and all these guys who signed, you know, Ben Greaves, uh, Hudson Mulder, Zito, all these guys. And, and maybe I don't, you know, Zito, where they moved him up in the draft and they really developed him and then kind of let it fit into the clubhouse where this team chemistry was unbelievable and, and it still works to this day. I mean, if you look at the A's clubhouse, they have a lot of fun when they play the game, it which, which translates to wins, and, and they've definitely figured that out, no doubt about it. Now, obviously, the, the offer that the Yankees gave you, it's, it's life-changing money. I mean, it, it is what it is, but how tough was it for you to leave the A's? Uh, I, I I didn't have an offer from the A's. <laughs> that was I had one offer. Most people don't know that I had one offer, and that was from the New York Yankees. The A's, I think they felt that I kind of monetarily they couldn't reach that level. I mean, ownership at that time, we tried to get a deal done in spring training, and they the ownership took it off the table. Schott and Hoffman, they took it off the table, and I played that year without a contract, you know, c- coming into the next year. Because Chipper had just signed, and we were looking for Chipper Jones type of money, and um, I ended up having a monster year, and that's when the Yankees came calling, and and uh, the rest is kind of history. So you didn't actually have an offer from the A's? No, I did not. I did not. We we got close in spring training, and then ownership. Billy Billy tried his best. Billy tried his best to try to get something done, and unfortunately, at that time, ownership. Uh, you know, wasn't able, which is understandable. That was that was a big commitment of a contract for that for that team. I mean, it was a big contract, and and I just felt they just felt that that team was so young and so. I mean, Tejada and Mulder and Zito and all those guys were coming into their prime. You know, Chavi as well with some young kids coming up through the minor leagues. You know, as far as like Travis Buck and and everybody else that. You know, it was it was okay if I left, and they were great. I mean, the A's have been great for the last few years. You know, unfortunately, they just haven't been able to get over the hump and win a World Series. So you grow up in Southern California. You come up with the Oakland Athletics. Then you sign the big deal with the New York Yankees, which playing for the Yankees is a whole different deal. What was it like, your time in New York, and when did you, like, look up and go, my God, I'm a Yankee? Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, that's truly what being a rock star is all about, playing for the New York Yankees. I mean, you, you go in hotel lobbies, and there's, you know, thousands of people standing in the hotel lobby, and it, it's amazing. I mean, it's the mecca of baseball. The fans are amazing. And, um, you know, as a kid, just being a big history buff, I mean, putting on the same uniforms, Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Gehrig, and, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, who who has played in pinstripes is amazing. Yeah, it is. And, of course, the A's are taking on the Yankees this weekend, and uh, the A's recently just swept the Yankees. This is a, a, a really big series. And w- when I think about you playing there and, and with all the different stars, tell us what the pressure is like because the expectations are you win every day for all 162. Yeah, I mean uh, – Mr. Steinbrenner did an amazing job of putting those teams together. Because most people forget that when Don Mattingly played there for all those years, I mean, he only made one playoff, and it was a wild card. And, you know, and then all of a sudden they kind of started to put it together and won, you know, four World Series real quick and then won their fifth fifth World Series. And, you know, all of a sudden the expectation got big, and it's it's awesome. It just it's a whole different ball game. I mean, when you talk about all the media outlets and the media market, and and then all of a sudden we added Matsui. You know, now you have the Japanese media. It just was gigantic. You know, you walk in there and there's, I mean, it was so much media that they didn't even let the TV media. You had to go to them outside the clubhouse to talk to them. So it was just. And, you know, and there's always they want more stories and things. So you got to really like uh, put your time in for the media because they have to write their stories. How's your How's your brother doing? We haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, he's doing great. Lives in Southern California. He's actually out here in Vegas right now. Um, we just played some golf together today. Oh, nice, nice. And by the way, yeah. Ve- Vegas is. Because I also work for the Raiders, and I know how the Raiders are moving there next year. And you think about the hockey team. All of a sudden, you know, where Vegas was just a minor league town, they're becoming big oh. league real quick. Oh, we've really stepped up. There's no doubt. I mean, 
I remember I always thought living out here for so many years that we would be a basketball town because you had the Maloofs and everybody else. And all of a sudden, hockey came about, and it took off. I mean, Golden Knights, everything. It's amazing to go watch them play. I mean, it's the greatest show on skates, no doubt about it. And since then, we've going to have the Raiders and MLBs interested in putting their team. Our AAA is doing amazing, which is the A's organization. I mean, they're doing amazing. So it's it's been a lot of fun living out here to watch it develop. Have you made it to any Aviators games? I have not. It's on the other side of town. But I've seen pictures of it and renderings of it when it was going up. And I definitely want to get out there. I want to take my kids out there and and watch the, the guys play, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's it's a minor league ballpark that costs $150 million. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> supposedly it's amazing. It's a, hey, hey, we go big in Vegas. We don't mess around. <laughs> hey, Jason, it's always an honor to have you on the program. Continued success, and I really do mean it. We got to get you back in this game because this game's better with you in it. I really, really appreciate it. I'm so honored for you to say that, and thank you. It's always such a pleasure to be on your show. I appreciate it. Take care, Jason. Good seeing you. It's good talking to you. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Yeah, when that guy gets back into baseball someday, there's a chance. A lot of people think he could be a manager. But I'd like to see him back in the game. I'd like to see him back in the A's organization once his kids get older. Sheldon Noisy has come into the big leagues right out of the gate and has provided impact with his bat. Not only what he's been able to do at second base, here is the youngster joining us on A's Cast Live. Sheldon Noisy is now joining us after batting practice. And we get to talk to him for a first time. How you doing? I'm Chris Townsend. I do all the uh, I do all the A stuff. Hey, you'll, Chris. You'll get to know me well. How are you? I'm doing well. Yourself? Uh, it was. Uh, I'm doing well, and I got to think for you, pretty cool. Starting your career at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable experience. What was it like when you walked down to that field? I don't I don't really know how to describe it. Just got chills down my spine, and you know, take it all in for a little bit, and then it was just sitting around and anxious i was just ready to get out there and get going so i didn't have didn't have to think about it just play you know you guys you play in the minor leagues and it's your dream ever since you were a little kid to get to the big leagues when fran tells you down there that you're going to the big leagues what was that moment like for you and who's the first person you called it was surreal just honestly i didn't believe it at first you know you just it takes a second to kind of realize what's what's going on and what just happened Took a deep breath and grabbed my phone, walked outside, and I called my dad. It was the first person I called, and second was my fiance. Uh, never forget those phone calls, you know, to him, fiance, and then my mom and my brother were the only people that I called, and I remember each phone call like it was yesterday. What did they say? My dad was at a loss for words and emotional, which he's, I think I've seen him cry a handful of times in his life. and. <laughs> I could just hear him choked up on the phone, and then it made me emotional and calling Cadence and the excitement in her voice, and she was just ready to get everything packed up so she could get out there, and just, it was crazy, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, because, you know, we really don't have this in other sports, right? I mean, you get drafted in the NFL, you're going to play in preseason games, you know, NBA, same thing for the most part. You might have a guy come up from, from the G League. But in baseball, we have it. You got, you know guys that got called up. You know about with their fan. There's just something romantic with baseball and the call-ups. It's, it's something special and so wonderful you got to be a part of it. Absolutely. I'm very thankful. And you're getting thrown into a pennant race. That's another thing. It's not like you're coming up and teams 20 games under 500 not playing for something. You're here to help get this team into the postseason. What does that mean to you? It means everything. I just got to make the most of my opportunities when I do get in there, knowing that, you know, we're here to win. And that's all that matters, whatever it takes, any way that I can help, whether it's defensively, offensively, hopefully both. But just whatever they need me to do, hopefully I can get in there and get it done and help us win some ball games. So you played shortstop in college. You're playing third base in the minors. But obviously there's this guy named Matt Chapman over there at third base. How easy was it for you when they say, hey, why don't we have you over at second base? How easy was that for you to make that change? Oh, extremely easy. For me, it didn't matter. I just, whatever it took to get up here, wherever they wanted me to play. And, I mean, Chapman is absolutely phenomenal over there. Um, They told me to move around a little bit there, played a little left, kind of everywhere. For me, it really didn't matter. I just wanted the opportunity and the chance to get up here, whatever it took. Yeah, the number one thing we're seeing in baseball is versatility because 
with so many pitchers on the roster, you got to have versatility, and that's the way to get to the big leagues, and that's the way to stay in the big leagues. Have you really paid attention how they've used Chad Bender and Arsenal Mark Canna up here as they played so many different positions? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they've they both moved around. Pender's, you know, he's an infield outfield guy. He can play anywhere, pinch hit, anything. Canna, same thing. You can put him over at first if you need him anywhere in the outfield, DH, pinch hit, anything. I mean, you just whatever gives yourself the most opportunity to get in the game, I think your value just rises. So inside, what did it feel like when you got that first hit and, and, you, and, and you get that out of the way? <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, just took a deep breath and kind of let everything come back together and just kind of laying back from the moon, you know, standing on second, looking around like, holy cow, I just hit a ball between the lines and we scored. And I'm at Yankee Stadium. Holy, <laughs> this is nuts. I know. When you see those pinstripes, you're just like, wow, this place is really cool. And because and that's the one thing you don't want to have, you know, in the back of your mind, like, I got to get my first hit. I got to get. Now that you got that out of the way, are you a little more clear when you, when you get up to the plate or did that not affect you? I, I think so. I haven't been in there yet, but I would I would assume it would make it a little bit easier. You know, you kind of go through the first game, and it's like, okay, you know, I was just nervous and anxious or whatever. And then you get to the second game, and it wasn't a good game either, and it's like, all right, now i got to find a way to help my team win. And uh, just kind of battle, was able to get a knock, and hopefully moving forward and just go back and play baseball. You know, there's a, there's a lot of information here at the big league level. How different – is all this information and everything that you have versus what you guys had down in the minor leagues in AAA? I don't think it's anything crazy. It's more just getting on there and using that information, you know, just taking advantage of it with the resources and everything like that. You know, the minor leagues a little more limited, but up here, I mean, you have anything and everything. And uh, you just got to get in there and put in put in the time to realize, you know, kind of how guys are going to pitch you or where, where to even play defensively. I mean, just anything and everything, but you have to use the equipment or else it's, it has no value. Some guys love the analytics and some guys love the technology. Some guys are just C-ball, hit-ball. Where do you think you are? Uh, personally, I like to just dig in the box seat and just let it go, you know, and just kind of base it off of that. If I'm hitting too many pop-ups, try to level off a little bit, vice versa, and um, the analytics can come into play on that for sure. The video especially, being able to watch video and just say, you know, this is where that ball was or get a side view of, you know, where your swing is, where you're going into the zone, if you're late, early, under, on top. Um, but I'd like to think for the most part, I try to just keep it as simple as possible, just see it and hit it, get a good pitch to drive and put a good swing on it. We just talked with Bob Melvin about this, and you were down there all year. Just how crazy the amount of home runs. More than 2,000 more home runs were hit in 2019 than 2018 in AAA. Can you speak to that? What was it like down there with just all the balls flying out of the yard? I know you're not out of any game or you're not safe with any lead. I mean, I don't know how many times we put up five or six runs in an inning down there. It was it was crazy. Um but it's just coming to the point, I think the balls helped a little bit, you know, but you just got to make contact. I think that's the biggest thing is now it's just making contact, squaring balls up. The more you do that, the more it's going to fly. Um, just eliminating swings and misses, but it keeps you in any game offensively, and I think that's pretty special. Yeah, when you're hitting 11 home runs, you're going to be in every game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think about uh, being here for the first time in Oakland? This is actually my second time. I came to the Bay Bridge Series uh, two spring trainings ago, and so I was here very shortly, but to be back here and see it, now it's in September. It's totally different, you know. It's not just a uh, exhibition game. This is the real deal. But uh, I'm excited to be here and look forward to getting out on the field and playing. Yeah, it's it's uh, this is the best time of the year, you know. When, when you when you're coming up to a team that is in it. I mean, it's a it's a really, really special time. And the fact that this front office has called your name to come help get this team to the playoffs, what does that mean to you? Oh, it means everything. I'm I'm very, very happy to be here. And I can't thank them enough for, you know, giving me the opportunity to come up and try to be an impact on the team. Uh, like I said, hopefully I can just get in there and get the job done, whatever they ask me to do. Well, thank you for stopping by. We truly appreciate you taking the time. And uh, going to be a lot of fun down the stretch here. It's a, it's, it's a race to the finish line and a race to get in one of those spots for the wild card. And you could be playing playoff baseball. 
That's the plan. A dream come true. Hey, thank you very much. We truly appreciate it. Absolutely. From Sheldon Noisy to Seth Brown. Seth Brown is really good. Let me tell you something. This kid can talk. And I told him, I said, hey, if you can talk, you're going to get a lot of interviews. Had a monster year. And I mean a monster year down in Vegas. Well, who isn't having a monster year down at AAA as they broke the record for home runs? And, you know, that's one of the great things about the A's. If, if you are able to hit or you're able to pitch, it doesn't matter where you were drafted, doesn't matter where you were acquired, how you were acquired, if you produce, they're going to get you up to the big league level. And that's what happened with Seth Brown. It's a great story. And he joined us just like Sheldon joined us on the field. Seth Brown joined us on the field. Our set for A's Cast Live. Here's our interview. Seth Brown stepping up to the Seth. How you doing, Chris Townsend? Nice to meet you. Our first uh, talk with the outfielder. Welcome to A's Cast Live. This is the live talk show that we do from the field. We're the only team in baseball that does it. I know you probably didn't see this in uh, Las Vegas, but uh, welcome to the ball club, and congratulations on the unbelievable start. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Now, this game right here, mm -hmm. it's actually pretty crazy. If the A's hold on to this 5-3, to three, we're just talking about it, this is going to take their longest winning streak from 7 games to 11 games. And if they win this game, that'll be 16 consecutive wins against the Detroit Tigers. I love that. This is this game's supposed to be in Detroit, yeah. but it's here. How wild is that? Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's the perfect storm. So you're you're not going to be in the lineup for this game, correct? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, what's this ride been like for you? Because your start has just been unbelievable. I mean, it's something that's just been so hard to describe, and um, I've been trying to soak it in every day. And uh, just being here, um, especially at this time of the year, um, it's just so awesome. Um, it's so I feel so blessed to be out here every day, and um, I just it's hard to put into words what I mean. My whole road to get here has been like, and um, it's just awesome. And you get it going right out of the gate, which is so nice because it takes how much of the pressure does that just take off of you? I mean, you know, it's it was so cool to you know to get the call number one. Um, you know, was just something that I've been dreaming about since I was a kid. And then to, to show up and, and be able to just jump in the lineup, uh, you know, my first day up was was so awesome, um, you know, just to get out there and get, get that first game under the belt. But being able to come out here and just contribute to the team um, has been just so incredible for me, um, you know, and it allowed me to take, you know, the pressure off my shoulders uh, just to get going and uh, get going early was, was huge, um, you know, and it helped uh, – Help me definitely just kind of jump in and, uh, you know, be comfortable. Yeah, not only do you get your first hit in your first game, you get your first RBI. Yeah. So, you know, for a lot of guys, because we, talk, we talked to Sheldon Noisy about, you know, you start out, you don't get a hit, and you start thinking about it. Luckily for you, we haven't had to do that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think about what we've really experienced here this season, not only a good year, but there's something romantic about baseball and the debut, Absolutely. and we've we've had we've had quite a few of those. Mm -hmm. And take me through that experience with your family, and you know, because immediately once you get a hit, the camera pans to your family; yeah. they're going nuts. I mean, it's awesome. Well, it was actually interesting. Uh, you know, so obviously I'm in Tacoma, um, and uh, when I got the call, you know, first call I made was you know to my dad, and um, you know, so obviously they're going to get a flight out, you know, and my little brother was able to be there, and he's in the Marlins organization, yeah. so. That was just incredible to have him there because, I mean, he, he's been there with me, you know, all growing up, obviously. But um, we actually got the same flight. I came from Tacoma. They came from Medford, Oregon. So we all we both went to uh, Salt Lake City and got on the same flight oh, wow. to go to Kansas City. So it was a really cool, really awesome experience, um, you know. And so having them there and uh, for the first game, first hit was just something that was just meant to be, um, you know, and – it just meant the world that, you know, they were able to be there. And, you know, my wife, she's been so, I mean, for her, she's been working so hard the last few years, you know. And we, I just got recently married, um, you know, last December. So her support has been absolutely off the charts, you know. And she's one of the hardest workers I know. And uh, so then she got to come to New York, um, you know, because she had started teaching. You know, she's a coach. Um, so she's so busy. So having her be able to come to New York was, uh, you know, um, an unbelievable experience and having her there just you know really completed it for me um you know first the family coming to see the the first series i play in and um and then having her be able to come to new york uh was just an incredible incredible experience what does she coach oh she's a basketball player you know we met in college and yeah. uh 
she was an incredible basketball player. Um, so uh, she wanted to be a teacher, and um, so she started teaching, and we live in Bend, Oregon now, and um, she's coaching the Varsity High School out in Sisters, Oregon, and so, uh, you know, it's like when, when my season's going, it's her down, and yeah. you know, her summer, and you know, then when I get back, it's, you know, I'm in full support mode of what she's doing. And, uh, you know, so I'm there on the sidelines as she coaches. So it's it's a pretty cool, pretty cool little thing we got going. Yeah, it's very similar to Stephen Vogt. Stephen yeah. Vogt's wife was a coach. It still is a coach. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So right now mm-hmm. you're in a situation to where not only do you get the call up. Well, first of all, how was it with Fran? We've had Fran on the program a yeah. few times, and we've laughed with him. He's the manager of the greatest offense of all time yeah, absolutely. In, the, in the Aviators. Yes. Fran's a good man. What was that conversation like? Um, you know, Fran, um, he's been a huge, huge help for me and, you know, an, an amazing, you know, motivator and a, an amazing guy to look up to. And, you know, that whole coaching staff, you know, they really pulled for me. And um, so when we were, hit, we were hitting in the cages in Tacoma and, um, you know, it was it was his birthday, and you know he's always he's, he's told me you know I hate my birthday. You know, it's not something I like to celebrate. And he goes, the only thing that makes me feel good on my birthday is when my kids call me, and you know, and uh, but he goes today I get to do you know one of the what one of the best birthday presents I've gotten was to tell Seth Brown he's going to be a big leaguer, and it was just in a, a very emotional moment for me, um, you know, because uh, just him, you know, I I was working with him like. I mean, we did early work every single day, you know, and so all the work I put in and have him tell me that was just uh, was one of the, the most special moments. And, you know, I'll always remember it was him telling me that, you know, and me just being in shock and obviously, you know, not, <laughs> not really grasping what he just told me, you know. And so, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. But why were you shocked? You're having, you were having a monster year. Well, you know, I've, I've just been working so hard uh, for so long and – you know, it started at the beginning of the season where, you know, coming in, I, I had my focus set on just making a team, um, you know. So that was my whole focus this offseason was I need to bust it, you know, and I need to make a team. And uh, so getting – originally I was going to go to double A at the beginning, and, you know, and uh, Pennington took his option. So that gave, that opened up a spot for me in Vegas. So uh, coming in, my whole goal was to just earn a spot on the field to where I could, I could have a starting spot, you know. And so graduating from going – coming in every day going okay I got to earn a spot today got to earn a spot today to that whole point of getting the call was just a whirlwind um and it was just so special to me and so I mean and you know getting the call is just something that you to me I I didn't want to think about I didn't want to think about okay you know am I ever going to make it that that type of thought process to me it was okay today's today I'm going to get the most I can out of today work as hard as I can today and whatever happens happens so having that moment happen for me um was something that I just I hadn't put any thought into and um you know so I it was a shocking shocking experience well some people will talk about hard work ethic but -hmm. then there's an obsession yes and the stories I'm hearing about you like you got a seven o'clock game you want to start hitting at 9 a.m yeah no and and people are like you need to slow down a little bit well no I, I definitely classify myself as obsessed uh with working and um it's just something that I've I carry with me, um, you know, and it's it's more of a, a pride thing for me, and it's kind of gives me that that edge I think, and um, which is I want to work as hard as I possibly can every single day, and you know, um, physically it's I want to push my body every single day, um, and so that mindset has really contributed to me the most um, and helped me along the way is even. Even when you wake up every one morning and you're sore, you're tired, that's the day where you know you got to go in and bust it even harder because you can, I mean, to me, I put my mind and I have this mindset of I can push through it. And so when I wake up in that soreness or I wake up and I'm not feeling good, I know I can press it even harder that day. And, uh, yeah, so I definitely classify myself as obsessed with working. Okay, so you just turned 27 years old. Yes, sir. And I start thinking about, and I ask guys who are a little bit older and you've been mm-hmm. in the minor leagues. Yeah. Have you, now that you're in the big leagues, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but before, do you start thinking about, okay, I'm 27, I haven't made the big leagues yet, you know, I, I'm married, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have a family. Yeah. Was there any doubt before the call-up? I mean, there, you always have those thoughts of, okay, you know, what's, what's a backup plan, you know? And that's why my wife has been so unbelievable for me because, you know, I got my degree in criminal justice, um, you know, and having her there, I mean, that was one of our big things is, you know, when we got engaged was, okay, now it's time for you to, I mean, I know you love baseball and you want to play and I'm here to support you as for as long as you want to play. But, 
you're going to get your degree and you're going to finish school. And then that way you can play for as long as you want to and always have that backup plan. So, I mean, when you have that set in place, it really, because for the first couple seasons, you know, that those thoughts always kind of sink in and always are hitting you like, man, you know, like what if, what if this doesn't work out, you know? And, um, but once I had that degree, um, it kind of took all that away and it was like, okay, now I can focus. Now I can play for as long as I can. And when I know it's, I mean, if whether I make it or not, you know, I'll have that good backup plan. So that was huge, huge. Yeah. That's the thing about, you know, when, when guys don't have the degree, you know, congratulations for you because you it, it is an unbelievable plan. But, the, you know, I want to see you on the A's for a long time. <laughs> Me but, too. But this is something that I talk about because I also work in football. I work for the Raiders. Yeah. And we just went through preseason. And one of the things we always talk about is whether you make the Raiders or not, you're auditioning for 31 other teams. Absolutely. And that's the thing I think about you. We'd love to have you here for a long time. For God's sake, you're hitting 448. <laughs> But that also is something that you, you're putting yourself on tape for 29 other teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, opportunities are, are you, you never know when they're going to come, and you got to be able to seize them when they do. Um, you know, and who knows what the future holds. Um, you know, I, uh, I, lo- I love what, what I've done the past few years, and, you know, I love the Oakland A's. And, um, you know, but for me, it's it, I'm here, and I need to focus on being here and, um, you know, doing what I can to help the, help the team. And, um so being a part of this whole organization, the history of it, is just a huge honor for me, um, you know. And so it's, it's like I said, it's been a whirlwind to go from putting in all the hours, all the time to, to being here, um, you know, and embracing it. And, um, but it's, it, goes, it all goes back to, you know, I'm here and I want to work hard every day and, you know, and kind of carry my weight. Yeah, well, you know, when you're hitting like you are, you're going to get your opportunities. And I think that's one of the things that's great about the athletics. And I talked to David Forts. We do the general manager mm-hmm. show right here on A's Cast Live is that if you're in Oakland A and you and, and no matter where you're drafted no ma- or if you're not even drafted, they bring you in as a free agent. Mm-hmm. If you if you play well, you're going to get your opportunity, and we're seeing that with you and a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. Did you know that that you know if I really do well, I have a shot to get to the big leagues? I mean, yeah, the uh, the Oakland A's are incredible, you know. And uh, Jim Kaufman was my scout, and you know, it, I'm just so thankful that I, you know, my, one of my first things when I was talking to him when I got drafted in 2015 was I just want an opportunity. Um, you know, and that's it's the beauty of the Oakland A's is that if you do perform, you're going to get a chance to keep moving and keep going. Um, and that's all I've I've all always been about was I just I need to play hard. I need to do well, um, you know, and opportunities are going to come and I got to be ready for them when they do. What was the first? Oh, my God, I'm in the big leagues. What was that first moment? First moment for me, you know, and like I said, it's. The whole series against Kansas City is a little bit of a blur, but I, the biggest moment that I think I've had is, um, you know, I'm playing, I'm playing left field uh, in New York, and all of a sudden, you know, we're getting late in the game, and I see Chapman warming up in the bullpen. And it's like, man. And, 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 <laughs> I mean, and, you know, I'm coming up in the lineup. I think I was up second or third that inning. And all of a sudden, I'm in left field, and I look over in the bullpen, you know, and I'm seeing movement, and all of a sudden, I see it's Chapman. And yeah. so that moment for me was just like, holy cow, you know, this is a guy I've watched on TV for years and, you know, a guy that I've always really wanted to face. And so at that moment it was like, man, you know, like I'm here, you know, and uh, it, it was just it that kind of all the, the emotion that I felt, you know, in KC and then going to New York and being in that park for the first time um, just kind of came to a head and it was, you know, a, you get the goosebumps, you know, and you're like, man, you know, look where I'm at. You know, this is this is amazing. And so that I think that's been that biggest moment for me. I know for noisy, it's like imagine making your – you mean you made it in Kansas City, which is a good spot, obviously. Absolutely. Great yeah. barbecue. Uh-huh. But you mean, you're mean you making your debut and it's Yankee Stadium. I remember the first time I went to old Yankee Stadium yeah. and as a fan. And yeah. you walk out there and you see the pinstripes and you're like, oh, my God, Babe Ruth played here, Luke Gehrig yeah. played here. I mean, that's – you know, your second series being at Yan- brand new Yankee oh, Stadium, man. pretty incredible. You know, it's funny. I told Sheldon that day uh, when he was starting. I said, "Hey, man, not a not a bad place to make your debut and get your first hit out of the way." You know, and because uh, it's amazing. I mean, this baseball is it, like you said. There's so much you know romance in it with with all the the emotion and all the history of it. And when you become a part of it, it's it's truly um, like a you know amazing moment to to grasp when it hits you that man, I'm a part of it now. And uh, it was, it, I was really, really happy for Sheldon, um, you know, and 
like I said, Dick, especially facing, I, I think, you know, facing CC Sabathia, you know, it's like, yeah. that, it's, it's amazing, you know, you're up there and you're like, wow, you know, these are my first at bats. And so it was a really amazing moment for him. Do you look over at the monuments? No, not yet, not yet. No, no, the oh, oh, Yankee Stadium. Oh, Yankee, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's so much stuff to do around there. It's, uh, it, it's amazing to, to see it all. Yeah, well, hey, let me tell you something. When you're a good interview, you're going to get a lot of opportunities. You're a good interview. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, Thank you very congratulations much. Congratulations and uh, keep it up and hitting over 400. Mm-hmm. And you got a chance to you got a chance to go to the postseason. Oh man, I'm telling you, it's uh, like I said. The, the, the goosebumps and the excitement grows every day. Hey, thank you so much for stopping by and continued success. Hey, thank you so much for having me. That's going to do it for A's Unfiltered. I want to thank Mark McGuire. I want to thank Jason Giambi, Sheldon Noisy, and Seth Brown. And congratulations to Mark McGuire going in with his buddy, his, you know, a guy he called a father figure, Tony LaRussa, September 21st. They're going into the A's Hall of Fame. Hope you enjoyed this edition of A's Unfiltered. And hopefully I'll be seeing you at the ballpark for the American League wildcard game. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.